0: So excited to talk Joe Musgrove right now. It's not even funny. Uh, we just finished up the Wild Card series. We're getting you set for the American League and the National League Division Series. Just baseball, new week. Jack, Peter, Arum. Again, our goal is for all three of us to be on every episode we put out during the postseason. If it can't happen, it can't happen. You'll get some assortment of the two of us. But uh, all three of us are on here on Monday. No episode tomorrow, what we are going to do is we're going to walk through the wild card weekend that was, and then we're going to get into game one of the Division Series. After that, we'll recap game one, preview game two, so on and so forth. Do we want to start with Musgrove, or do we want to save that for the end of
1: the wildcard, Peter? Let's do it now. It's the Let's big story.
0: It it's a huge
1: story. Huge, we're call- huge This is kind of the ultimate episode, as, as we like to call it, the ultimate
0: yeah the the ultimate. uh Aram, I know you've got some very strong thoughts on it. can i can I put out Gary Cohen's thoughts on it before you go? I just yeah watched it before you hopped on. So yeah. the, Gary Cohen thought the same way that I did. He said it reeked of desperation. I, I understand doing it down for nothing in the sixth inning. If you lose, you're going home, but you better be right, Gary said. Uh, Gary Cohen, the TV voice of the Mets, he's saying this on SNY on the postgame show. He said, you better be right. They were not right. And it reeked of of desperation. And that was uh, he didn't say Bush League, but he, he made it very clear. He thought it was Bush League. Those are pretty much my thoughts. Exactly. How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it could have gone one of two ways, right? I, I think you see what Buck was trying to do if he really didn't believe there was something going on there and it was just disrupted. Joe Musgrove's tempo disrupt the pace that he has kind of mounted the momentum that he's created. But at the same time, you're going to piss him off. And the second he did the Kenny power sniff, it was like, you knew it was over. It was absolutely over. They pissed him off. And that was it. That was it. And I know codify uh, put out some interesting numbers that after they checked Joe Musgrove. He actually spun the ball even better. Uh, the, the pitches at 3,000 RPMs and above were, were jumped. I think he only through one or two before, through a handful afterwards. So, you know, I, I understand why they wanted to check it. I get it. But at the same time, it's it's one of those things where the system in place, I kind of trust that they're going to find whatever they need to find. And the guy was shoving. The guy was absolutely shoving. I'm not going to get into the details of the substances and stuff like that because Vaseline wouldn't do shit for anybody anyways, uh, which I also thought was a weird part of this whole thing. And there was a lot of history of Joe Musgrove's years looking like that. So uh, it it reminded me of Luis Garcia last postseason, which was also super annoying because that was Garcia's coming out party and was like, seemed like we were trying to find ways to invalidate it. Musgrove's already established himself, but this was a phenomenal start and we're finding ways to try to invalidate it. That's stupid.
0: And, and oh, by the way, Joe Musgrove has always been a really high-spin guy. We've talked about him. He's got a 2,500 RPM fastball. Mm -hmm. He's one of the best fastball spinners in Major League Baseball, and his slider consistently flirts with 3,000. It doesn't Mm -hmm. get there, but it flirts with it. A couple of tweets from Devin Fink, who does great stuff pitching-wise. Musgrove's average four-seam fastball spin to velocity ratio. Usually – on average this year, was 27.5 RPM to miles per hour. His average last night was 28.3. Devin said, I would argue that it's pretty reasonable game-to-game variation. Put simply, when a pitcher is amped, he will probably throw harder. When a pitcher throws harder, his spin rates will increase. Musgrove added roughly one mile per hour on all of his pitches last night. So, of course,
1: his spin is up. He was just juiced, Peter. Yeah, yeah I... So on the surface, I remember we were talking in the group chat and I I thought to myself, well, this is incredibly entertaining just on a viewership standpoint, like the the energy that it created, the it Joe Musgrove television. doing yeah. this. It was great television. So I'm never like that upset when it happens, because at the end of the day, this is a sport and it's supposed to be entertaining. Was there a little bit of gamesmanship from Buck, of course, trying to get Musgrove off his game? I understand why Buck did it, but I agree with you guys. It was it was pretty desperate move. Mm-hmm. Their team had one hit from Pete Alonso in the fourth inning. Like Buck was saying, I have to try something. So again, I get why Buck did it, but just in terms of what the substance was, they flashed Andrew McCutcheon's tweet on, um, on the telecast. Like this is the tweet from McCutcheon. Here we go. I guarantee Musgrove had red hot on his ears. Pitchers use it as a mechanism to stay locked in during games. It burns like crazy, and I don't know why some guys think it helps them, but in no way is it sticky. Buck is smart, though, could be trying to just throw him off. Like, not only do I think McCutcheon was right about what substance he had on just to stay locked in that it burns like crazy, but that's exactly what Buck was trying to do. Buck probably thought, Well, I have an excuse. The spin rates are up. His ears are shiny. And we can't hit anything. So maybe he is cheating. But I think Buck knew this is a little far-fetched. And he wasn't cheating. It was obvious, let's stay locked in because it's the playoffs. And I'm chucking as hard as I possibly can. But in totality, it was very entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Really entertaining.
2: Oh, no, it, it, the worst part about it, though, the only part that is like I had a couple friends over um, like friends, girlfriends over and they're like, why is he touching his ears? And I was I had like a five second deliberation in my head. Like, do I really want to try to explain this because it's going to sound so no. stupid? And I, I gave the best Spark Notes explanation I could, but it just made me realize how weird our sport is. It's like I'm no. explaining to these women why somebody's ears are getting felt up in the middle of a massive game in front of 39,000 people, which by the way was it not, was a, not sellout a sellout in City yeah. Field, not a sellout, which is honestly disgraceful. Um, And that's coming from a Marlins fan who grew up with empty crowds. So I even think they find a way to pack it in uh, when, when you are in an elimination game, game three. I really think that you look at what happened there. I know it's a Sunday night. I know games are expensive. I understand all of that. I'm not shaming individual fans for not showing up and not paying to go. I just think that there's enough people in the city of New York, enough Mets fans to sell out that stadium. And it hasn't been a problem in the past. You look at a lot of the other big markets. It was pretty shocking to see them not sell out in a definitive game three after a win um, where, you know, I, I would say going into this game, you could have called it a coin flip. I don't think anybody was saying the Mets were doomed. I think the Mets were favorites, right? I, I was shocked to see Mets fans not show up. And it kind of shows you just how defeated uh, the, it seemed like the entire Mets fan base was after they didn't get the division there. It seemed like that at that point they just were calling it. It seemed like that on Twitter which is not always a great pulse of a fan base. No, but, but Mets Twitter's like, brutal. Let's no, be honest. No, it is. But at the same time, then you see, you know, what happens at the stadium. And there were points even in, in the game that Peter and I went to where I was like, I, I was expecting a little bit more intensity here from the fans. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more, you know, desperation and whatever. And it was almost like they're playing with house money misery where it was like, yeah, you know, we're used to being miserable. We'll see how it goes. But yeah. if we somehow win this thing, like, great. Aram, didn't it seem like there was an impending doom? That's what I said in the group chat. Yeah, it was just the energy was. You could sense a finality there. It was like, oh, you know, it it almost felt like closing day in some ways. I don't know. It didn't seem like they weren't expecting to win that game. They They somehow do. They were
1: hopeful that they'd win. But they knew deep down that they would lose. It's bizarre. It was bizarre.
0: Even hopeful is my big thing. I don't think so. No, they seemed hopeful.
1: I will give them hopeful. I I don't know. What is it? They just knew they were going to lose and they hated it the whole time. How is it not sold out? Think yeah. about
0: the conversations that you have with New York Mets fans, right? It's always about how miserable they are. Do you think they actually <laughs> wanted to win that series? <laughs> Let's be frank here. Do they actually want to win a World Series, or do they want to continue to lean into this that they're indulge
2: the most in their ever? misery? Absolutely, yeah. indulge in their misery. And I think Game Three was a tell. I I, I just cannot believe that that game was not sold out. I, I just I, it floors me. Was Game 2 me. even sold out with DeGrom? It
1: didn't look sold out when we were there. I mean, there was there was plenty of people there, but it didn't look sold out to me when attendance, we were there. Attendance for Game 2 is 42,156. That is a sellout. Okay. 39,000. Um, but 39,
2: 000, what was but it? I got to say,
1: Aram, we were there. Not every seat was filled. Nah, no. So maybe they so were bought. They weren't attended. Going into the postseason, if you were to ask me in
0: July or August, hey what are the ballparks that don't sell out in a winner-take-all game in a series? I say Tampa and Miami, end of list. Oakland. Oakland. Uh, no. Actually, maybe they show go. up Yeah,
2: Yes, they do. I think right. they show up. Yeah, uh, I, it's true. I, especially even if you gave me from this playoff pool, like who isn't selling out, the Mets are far from my first choice.
0: I, who is your first choice?
2: It's I mean, Atlanta used to be that way, but even Atlanta now, I mean, they're incredible. They They sell everything out now. Yeah. I mean, I do. San Diego has been unbelievable. L.A. is always going to sell out. I thought we um, were going to see nonstop sellouts. I could you we imagine this, this shit in the Bronx? No way. Would never No happen. way. Would never fly in the Bronx. Are you kidding me? One they'd be thing, handing out. They'd be making. They'd usher people in off the streets to make sure they fill those seats. But it also would just never happen.
1: Yeah. One thing. It wasn't all bad for the Mets. Like your best pitcher, Jacob deGrom, showed up when you needed him to. He was excellent he was shoving against a hot Padres lineup. I mean, the Padres crushed Max Scherzer. Four home runs, first time he had ever allowed that in a playoff series. And then they got to Chris Bassett. This Padres lineup was firing on all cylinders, but Jacob deGrom came in and did Jacob deGrom things. So at least you have that. At least Diaz pitched reasonably well. I mean, you put him in in game three and it, it looked like his arm was was ready to fall nice. off there. He pitched 28, 28 pitches, pitches the day two. before. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't really blame that. And the hits by the San Diego better, I think it was that Juan Soto double at the end. Yeah, that was Soto up double. Diaz. I mean, that was that was a nothing. I mean, that was, what, a 65-mile-an-hour exit velo ground ball. So you can't blame Diaz either. Overall, they were good, but
2: <sighs> you, you, you blame you
1: only to in the series. I mean, Lindor I, I, I played I do pretty agree. Well.
2: I do agree with what Peter's saying. Like you gotta give credit where credit's due here. Yeah. The, the Padres played a phenomenal series. Yeah, sure. W- would it be nice if the Mets showed up a little bit more offensively? Absolutely. But you know, they they did. You know, hit a tough Blake Snell, who I would have picked out of the, the three pitchers they sent in the series, sent out there. I would have said, Oh, Blake Snell is going to have the best outing yes. of everybody so far. I, that would have been my pick in foresight because the way he's looked and also the way Mets have struggled against lefties, they, they grinded out Blake Snell. I mean, that was, again, that DeGrom game was great. It seemed like that's the game they felt like, you know, we can win this one. But Uh, The the Padres played unbelievably well. They defended well. Uh, They obviously hit well, as Peter said. I think they did all of the small fundamental things well, and they obviously pitched phenomenal. Uh, from the starters to the bullpen and everything in between. And I know and we haven't brought up Trent Grisham yet, but it hasn't even just been Trent Grisham. How about like Austin Noah? And then in the big spots, you saw Soto come through, even more so Machado. Uh, this is what this team was supposed to be, right? And that's the thing. It's not like the Mets got upset by, you know, even the Phillies, so to speak. I think this Padres team, when they're clicking, is way more talented than really any of the other teams in that range of the, you know, win total department. Uh, the Padres, if they decide to put it all together... They could win it all. Like, that's the craziest part about it. We just, none of us had faith that they would put it together.
0: Even without Fernando Tatis Jr., yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, Hassan Kim played an incredible defensive right. shortstop. He's done that for 162 games. And now he showed the world stage in a three game wild card series. Hassan Kim is a really good shortstop. I love that this team is doing this without Tatis because last year, the implosion of the San Diego Padres, a lot of people were trying to point fingers and is. Is it Manny Machado? Is he like still immature? No, Manny Machado is a proven leader. Is it the rest of the team not, you know, being talented enough? No, that team is talented enough. I mean, look at Jurickson Profar. What he did as a table setter for this offense is incredible. I think so much of the implosion last year had to do with their poster boy and their franchise cornerstone being immature. He showed that immaturity tangibly with a failed drug test and a motorcycle crash this year. And I'm not saying they're doing it in spite of him. I'm saying that they found this great dynamic without one of the most talented players in the game. And that makes them that much more enjoyable to watch. And I think you can see that in Trent Grisham. This was a guy that absolutely fucking sucked this regular Mm -hmm. season. Not wrong. Was bad. And here we go. And if you named an MVP of the wildcard series across any series that we have of the eight teams that we saw Trent Grisham was the best player in the wild card series
1: oh yeah not even close maybe the worst player was Paul Goldschmidt (laughs) yeah
0: we'll kind of go rapid fire here between the other ones but I mean the redemption arc of Trent Grisham and and Javier Javi Reyes brought it up too. Like this is somehow the second redemption arc in Trent Grisham's career already, and he's like twenty five. <laughs> he's
2: <years> twenty five. <laughs> he's had the craziest ups and downs imaginable. Like it, it's it's been cool to see too because it's not just when Trent Grisham's hitting even a little bit. I, I'm not even like a 750 OPS guy. If he does that for the duration of a season, he's a four win player, right? Like he was yeah. a two win player this year hitting. Being the worst qualified hitter basically in Major League Baseball, uh, this guy is still really good. And if he's clicking, I mean, I don't, we don't really have playoff F4, I'd assume, but from this series alone, I'd almost assume just three games he probably accumulated almost a full win with the plays he was making in center, too. I look at that catch on the Mark Canna line drive into right center, and I'm like, that's a tide turner, right? You're down four, runner on base. You might score a guy there, or at least you have two in scoring position. And just like that, you know, you can cut the lead in half with one base hit. Instead, it's an out runner stays at first base. Like those are the tide turning plays that really define a series. And and for me, I think that kind of shut the door. It was one of the few balls that were squared up all series long or all game long, excuse me against Joe Musgrove. Last thing I want to say before we move on, uh, because I do think that this Padres team is, is clicking at the right time. And I believe in the pitching at this point. and, And I think the offense is good enough, but Jake Cronenworth, uh, what do you do? Uh, do you just keep rolling him out here against the Dodgers? 0 for 13 with six strikeouts. It's been a rough year for him all around all, as is. They do have some other options. What do you do with Jay Cronenworth?
0: Probably go to CJ Abrams, right?
1: <laughs> I think you just have to drop him in the lineup because he is good defensively. It's not like he's a hole over there and you're just relying on his bat. But I agree with you, Arm. It is a conversation because he was not good in the regular season. It's not. It's not as if oh, Cronenworth was the Crone zone during the regular season. He just had a tough wild card series. He'll bounce back. No, this has been a continuation of sucking. Yeah, yeah. to say it lightly. I mean, I, at
2: least keep so him out I, against lefties, right, exactly. or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think they got to think about it, right?
1: Because Profar at the top of the lineup's been great. Everyone except him. I mean, yeah. you move Kershaw up, maybe move Nola up. Nola's been excellent. Like I think Nola was the most underrated star here. Well, Grisham kind of got all the shine because he was great in center field and provided all that defensive boost. But Nola was great behind the plate, and he kept coming up with clutch hit after clutch yeah. hit. Like whereas on first and second, it was always Austin Nola up. Yeah, and somehow who's coming through Austin Nola.
2: He it had was four crazy. four hits in the series. Four hits in the series. I, I, again, yeah, I, I agree, dude. I mean, he came up clutch. It seemed like he was up every single time a runner was every in scoring time. position. Austin Nola was up. Uh, and, and even again, I always talk. I always add my roommates into this because they're not big baseball fans and then they'll, they'll accept me putting it on the top TV when, uh when we've got playoff baseball on and they're like, who is this guy? Like, is he nasty? I was like, no, Um, But, you know, when you don't have the context, it's kind of funny. You just get into a postseason series. Everything's thrown out the door. My friends, my roommates think Trent Grisham and Austin O'Arts are two of the best players in baseball. They are. That's what's amazing about the playoffs (laughs) and why it's so much fun. I will say Brandon Drury, only four at-bats this series. Jack, would you not eat into some of those crone at-bats with Brandon Drury? I know he hasn't been dynamite in the second half, but I think they got to look at platooning Cronenworth at this point because the at-bats just look horrible. Yeah, I he would, just doesn't look good.
0: Yeah, I mean, with, with I without a doubt, I would platoon Cronenworth and Brandon Drury. It, there's no question in my mind. If you see a left-handed arm, it's it's Brandon Drury in the lineup yeah. here, um, it, and I
1: don't think it's much of a debate. One last thing, Padres bullpen very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Orahone. You know, <laughs> Arm and I were joking at the game. I think this guy's 23 years old still. It's actually unbelievable that he's still continuing to throw innings at such a young age. So I don't put a ton on him. But, I mean, Nick Martinez, Suarez, Josh Hader looked like the Josh Hader last night, 100 at the top of the zone with the slider. If they have these guys humming, they are dangerous because you have three horses followed by Suarez and Hader. I mean, that's – that is – Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino. That is what the Mets thought that they had. And then you have this Padres offense with Soto and Machado and Profar and the Trent Gershams and Nolas of the world. This is a really good team. This is a dangerous team going up against the Dodgers.
0: So what I will say is Buster only brought up a great point, and that's that Josh Hader has looked better for San Diego on longer rest. You don't get much rest in the postseason here. Mm. That was his first time throwing in six days, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, he's going to look great, Looked elite. <laughs> yeah. So so what's going to happen when he throws on one day's rest? Like,
1: yeah. We'll no, see. that's true. This,
2: this is a good test for Bob Melvin too, right? And yeah. and I'm I'm very interested to see how how he kind of handles all of that. One thing on Morahone, he debuted in 2019, Peter, yeah. uh, and he is 23 years old. Yeah. So
0: well, he had a uh, TJ sprinkled in.
2: Yeah, he did have a T.J. sprinkled in, and he never threw more than 20 innings until this year. So we saw him in three different big league seasons, but it, I, like he preserved his rookie eligibility basically as long as possible. Uh, I don't think he's obviously a rookie anymore, but he's just one of those guys that makes no sense. I was joking, like, six, so Sanchez could win rookie of the year next year, <laughs> theoretically? Yeah. Kind of in that same boat there.
0: I'm kind of in on that. All right, let's go. Um, We, we can save, like, what do the Mets go moving forward to the offseason because mm-hmm. that's an offseason conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go through each of the wild card series here, real quick. I, I think that you know, I, I'm very quick to say that a team won a wild card series instead of one team lost the wild card series, but it was pretty cut and dry. The
1: St. Louis Cardinals lost this wild card series to the Philadelphia. I players. thought that's what I thought. I mean, just first of all, game one implosion. They're, they're Ollie Marmol, his bullpen decisions were questionable at best. I like, mean. I don't blame him for going to Helsley, but Helsley for five outs. Yeah. Helsley for five outs when you know that he just got injured in that series or he had a finger thing and you just kept him out there and they kept panning in the dugout to Ollie Marmol. And he said, let him go, let him go. The command was obviously not there. In the playoffs, this is do or die. You have guys warming up in the pen. Why don't you bring him in? He couldn't throw a strike. It wasn't even close. It's not like he's just off the corner, right? He's not a ball or two to the outside or just inside. He's throwing up and in, and these balls are sailing on him. Can't throw a slider. And when you have Yadier Molina saying, Giving you that enormous glove, being like right here, man, you're 102, just right here, just throwing in the strike zone, and you're not even close. There is an issue there. And he kept him out for such a long time. And then that implosion. But at the end of the day, even when the Phillies hit the ball, they were just like in. And it was 2 0. You know, I, we're going to talk about all this. I'm just doing that quick summary. It was 2 0. You know, Nolan Arenado had a couple hard hit balls, but otherwise, this Cardinals offense just disappeared. Absolutely disappeared. I know you got to give Aaron Nola a ton of credit, kind of like yeah. we give Joe Muscove a ton of credit, but the Mets disappeared and the Cardinals disappeared. That's what it felt like to me. Questionable bullpen decisions by Ollie Marmel, a disappearing act by the MVP and Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, Nolan Arenado at least hit the ball hard. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt disappeared. <clears throat> he was a ghost. Houdini.
2: <clears throat>
1: it was so just, oh, after all that. Yep. After all that, nothing.
2: Pool showed up. Pool showed up. Yep. I was I was it. getting
1: upset with Aram. I'm like, why are they hitting Pool second? They should hit him lead off. Should I hit him third. Should, him third? should drop Goldschmidt to seventh.
2: Yeah. Oh for seven four like Ks. Corey Dickerson hit better than him. Hmm. Um. <sighs> you know, here's what stands out to me is there's a few different things that I, I could point towards to say like this is when you know you're fucked uh, with with the Cardinals. And I think the number one Number one thing where I was like, okay, this is I mean, if this is how you lose, you just gotta you just gotta eat it. It was in the same inning where Tommy Edmond, it was it wasn't an easy play, but it was a Tommy Edmund makeable play. He does not even smother the ball to keep it in the infield. Yeah, That's courts by him. Guess what happens right after that? Nolan Arenado, arguably the best defensive third baseman of all time, has a ball eat him up at third base. I mean, if you are losing because two makeable plays are booted by Tommy Edmond and Nolan Arenado. Fuck everything else. It's you're not screwed. your week, man. It's not your year. That's it. It's not your year. You're screwed. Uh, and that was really what it boiled down to for me. Of course, Ryan Helsley implosion. The management of that is one side of things. The MVP going zero for seven. Absolutely. Another side of things. And Aaron Nola, though, we watched him shove it up the Astros. You know what? On the last game of the, or his last start of the season. Yeah. And he had just looked dynamite down the stretch. I was worried about game two. I think we all were all, all along. Uh, that's what made the the implosion in Game One that much worse. We should be talking about a Game Three between these two teams, and who knows how that would have went at home with the Magic. That's where the Magic shines through. Put yourself in a position for that luck, for that you know whatever you have going for you to kind of push you over the top. But it's not just going to do the work for you. And obviously the Cardinals found that out the hard way.
0: Real quick, what do you make of Adam right not sniffing them out? I agree with it.
1: He had dead arm.
2: His arm was yeah. His arm yeah. Was dead. He
1: wasn't. Th- And it wasn't – the starting pitching was not the problem. No. That's what was so crazy about this series. What were the Cardinals built on? Their incredible offense and their defense. What didn't show up? Those two factors. It wasn't really the bullpen. I mean, of course, Helsing nah. had a little bit of a blow-up. Kind of it the bullpen. wasn't great, but it wasn't... But it even wasn't the bullpen,
2: like, I would argue yeah. the bullpen's one of their strengths, too. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: okay, but I'm saying it wasn't the bullpen that lost the series. Like, you got to score one run to win. Jose Quintana threw five shutout. Miles Michaelis at least pitched pretty well oh, in that game, pretty too. Well. So, but also, like, the Cardinals did... You can make the argument that the Cardinals did lose the series, and they probably did based on what they did in the regular season and then what didn't show up in this two game series, but we have to give a ton of credit to Philly. Yeah. I mean, Wheeler looked like Cy Young. Mm -hmm. Nola looked like Nolan Ryan. I mean, and then the bullpen, you know, I have been bagging and I, you know, an apology is due for me. I've been bagging on this Phillies team all year. I banned them at the beginning of the year because I kept losing on them. And I kind of just discounted, put them to the side, never gave them the credit that they deserved. This offense is good. You get this offense rolling. They are tough to beat. You got, they're so deep. Kind of like what the Padres did extending their lineup with Grisham and Nola. You go down the lineup. Segura. I mean, what, an, what a performance in your first playoff series. I, I, just you go down the lineup; they can hit all the way through, even with Bryson Stott down there. And then the bullpen—I mean, guys—we've been bagging on it. Alvarado looked great. Saransi, He's been great.
2: He's been great all year, man. The whole second for, half, Alvarado has been one of the best relievers in baseball in the second half.
1: Their bullpen, combined with Nola and Wheeler, you didn't even pitch Ranger Suarez, who has had in a phenomenal second half. Bryce Harper showed up in Game Two. They are—they are a very good team. I mean, we were giving the Padres all this credit for coming together and how dangerous they are. I got to say, the Braves are not safe here. The Phillies have a real shot to upset them. I would not be surprised if they did. When they're firing on all cylinders, and you got those two starters at the top, and the bullpen being key, and it's not like the Phillies made defensive mistakes. You know, we've been banging on the defense, thinking it's going to come back to bite them, and maybe it will against the Braves, but they played
2: great. It was the Cardinals sound baseball.
1: It was the Cardinals defense. Phillies played sound baseball, and they deserve a lot of credit here. This isn't just... Cardinals lost and the and the Phillies somehow squeaked in. Oh, Phillies beat them, but the Cardinals played like shit. Dude,
2: Alec Bohm was making plays at third. You look great. No, one Arenado's botching balls. Alec Boehm made some plays at third.
0: Hey, bohm has been making plays for the majority of the year. It was the beginning uh, of the year that he looked like
2: shit. I yeah. understand First that. He, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's he's still just like not a great defender. Over always made much like huge improvements. And how about Bryce Harper though showing up big home run? I think mean, that really kind of set the tone for Game Two. And you know the the Phillies didn't need much else other than that. Um, it, it was it's cool to see Bryce Harper going again, and I hope he's feeling better and healing up and and at least as close to hundred percent as he can be for this series because I, I want to see a I want to see a full you know fully healthy locked in intense Bryce Harper. That's the one silver lining here is you know I was watching I did the first thing that came to my mind when I was watching the game one was you know, man, I don't want it to be the end of Pujols here. But then, you know, Bryce Harper's in the on-deck circle and they're showing him like, man, I want to see more Bryce Harper. Yeah. In the you know, so and, and that that's the good thing about series like this. And I, I would say I, I I'm excited to see Bryce Harper in an in underdog role uh, leading his team here. And it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Nick Castellanos too. I would love to see him do something special in this series. Uh, given the season that he's had, he didn't have a good series. He's 0 for 7, uh, but I would love to see Nick Castellanos come up big, but to, to kind of piggyback off of what Peter said in this Phillies team, is it's another one. That's what happens when, when you get to the playoffs, right? All of these teams are really freaking talented besides the Rays. The Rays, I think could be very talented <laughs> next year, but what they put out on paper or like, you know, was was brutal uh all of these teams are super talented if they come together they can beat anybody that's why we love sports in general that's why we love baseball and look dude i'm scared of a phillies team that's clicking on all cylinders especially with the one-two punch at the top
1: yeah Brandon they, marsh great down there yeah but great hit 400 in the series know it's two games but hit 400 in the series yeah. yeah
0: let's jump to the american league wild card here um we'll start with tampa and cleveland cleveland wanted in two <laughs> Walk off solo Homer in the 15th from Oscar Gonzalez. Game one, it was the Shanes and it was Jose Ramirez that won them the game. I think it's so funny that Jose Ramirez was the entirety of the Guardian yeah. offense in game one, and Oscar Gonzalez was the entirety of the offense in game two because those are the two run producers.
1: Everybody else, like and Naylor, can... but Naylor didn't he didn't show up as much.
0: But I mean, like J Ram and Oscar, like if you if you could line it up two guys to get an RBI. Like if you went into any guardians game, the back half of the year and said, one of these two is going to have the entirety of the team's RBIs. You think Naylor beats Oscar Gonzalez out for that? I don't think so. I think it's J. Ram and Oscar Gonzalez.
1: I do. I think it's Naylor, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's those three. Like I do, I did think it was Naylor. I mean, he, he provided the thump all season long. Like he had a better overall year than Oscar Gonzalez is. I'm Oscar Gonzalez is a rookie. So, I mean, so that's why, you know, Naylor's been there, and I thought, I thought he would have a better series, but he didn't need to. And I think the story here is how bad the offenses were, kind of on both sides. Disagree. But really what I want to talk about is how good the pitching was.
0: Yeah, I, I um, totally disagree with you on how bad no, the offenses were. No, that's, right?
1: what, that's what I'm hearing the story is. That's not what I think the story is. What I wanted to point to was how elite both sides were on the mound. The Rays bullpen, I know, like the Guardians, it's tough to beat their offense, but this Rays bullpen was phenomenal. Glass now looked elite. McClanahan looked phenomenal. And then on the Guardians side, Bieber looked like the 2020 AL Cynger Award winner. Tristan McKenzie is becoming one of the best pitchers in the American League. And then you're followed up by Emmanuel Class A, who is as good as Diaz, better, maybe the best closer in all of baseball. I mean, he looks impossible to hit. The slew of bullpen arms from the Rays, the slew of bullpen arms from the Rays, just excellent pitching was more on display than bad hitting. They just went up against juggernauts on the mound.
2: Yeah, it's 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 tough because I I loved what we saw from Bieber. I would say two of the my favorite pitching performances we've seen so far were Bieber and and of course we saw from Tristan McKenzie who. South Florida kid that I've loved as a prospect for a long time. And it's, it's cool to see it all click for him. And I do think he's a, he's going to be one of the better, you know, I would say better number two pitchers moving forward in the league. I don't think people realize he's still 25 years old. and still really learning how to control his extremely long levers and his mechanics look really good. I think he's going to be a force for them. That said, and you can only pitch to who's in front of you. This Rays offense, I think, is the worst offense in postseason history, or at least in the modern era. I, I can't. I don't even mean to be hyperbolic. I mean, you look at who they put forth here. It is half Durham Bulls. It is half Tampa Rays. I know this is what the Rays are built on, and I don't want to take anything away from Cleveland. But I do think if you go into a different series here uh, against a team that's swinging it a little bit, I, I don't know if the Guardians win that series. Like I think they pitched well. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to be better offensively. You look at what they did top to bottom. I, I do have concerns that against the Yankees, and I do, I did pick them to beat the Yankees. I, I just I think the Yankees are gonna blatantly outslug them, and that's the concern, right? If the Yankees ambush you with one swing in New York, sneak one out, you know, even if it's a, a fly ball that sneaks out to the short porch, how are you coming back? What's a 2-0-3-0 deficit look like for you if you're the Guardians? And I don't know how much confidence I have in them to, to climb back into it. I will say the race staff is really tough, but the Yankees have the ability to be very tough too. We'll get to that side of things specifically, but Isaac Paredes or Isak Paredes led the Rays in hits. He had three at-bats. He had two hits. Nobody else had more than one hit in that entire series for the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, that just can't happen. And uh, I know I want to give credit to the Guardians, but at the same time, this offense is atrocious. Jack, Jack, who are our X-Factors? Yandy Diaz,
1: Randy Rosarino. Who didn't show up? Playoff Randy and Yandi. So, like, my- neither did Wander either. I mean, the top of the Rays lineup. Like, arm. We're talking about the bottom and half its Durham, Durham Bulls. But the Tampa Bay Rays side, three of the better overall hitters in the American League this year. I mean, Yandi was one of the best hitters in the American League. Randy, when he's on, is. You almost can't get them out, and neither of them showed up. They were up one too. for so, 19
2: with nine Ks. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Goldschmidt and Arenado not showing up. They didn't show up either, and so, it was gross. So let's
0: look at game one here. Um, The, the top three in the order, Diaz, Franco, Rosarena, they were 0 for 12 with six punchouts. After that, this is four through nine with a couple of pinch hitters sprinkled in there that, that they ran out. Uh, Harold Ramirez, G Man Choi, Manuel Margot, Christian Bethencourt, Taylor Walls, Isak Paredes, Vidal Brujan, Jose Siri, who supplied the only run in the series with that solo shot off. Jose Bieber. Siri. Jose Siri. Yeah. Elite. The,
2: the real X Factor. The, <laughs> the real um,
0: X Factor. Yes. Now, I, I do want to flip it to Shane Bieber because I just remember slamming the panic button on Bieber after his first couple of starts in April, saying, everything's yeah. down. The shoulder is screwed up. Um, he did not have his A stuff this year. The the Shane Bieber of this year was very, very different to the Shane Bieber of 2020 where he was, you know, across nine starts, 12 starts, whatever he made, the best pitcher on the planet and it wasn't close. This was not the same Bieber. The stuff was worse this year than it was in 2020. But Bieber still somehow put up a sub three ERA and still... Threw seven and two-thirds a three-hit ball, struck out eight. Shane Bieber's a bona fide ace. He's Mm -hmm. one of the best pitchers in baseball. And he's going to have one of these starts against the New York Yankees where we're talking about Bieber as a big dick dog.
1: (laughs) Pinpoint command. Was placing it wherever he wanted to. It was masterful. It was Maddox-esque. It was, all right, I need a slider just off the plate bang, hit the glove. Like when you watch Austin Hedges' glove, wherever he's set up, not moving it an inch, just pop, pop with 91. But sometimes you don't need all the velocity. Like Bieber has learned how to pitch without the 93 that he had, maybe dropping to 90, 91. It almost doesn't look like it matters. It's like they just can't hit it. He's throwing it wherever he wants to. Masterful, Tristan McKenzie, masterful. But again, Ray's lineup, that's why I'm interested. Was it truly masterful? That's why this Guardians-Yankees series, and we're going to get into it where we're predicting all these series where they're going to end up. But will they be as masterful against a much better Yankees lineup than
2: what the Rays are putting out there? I think they will, though. Uh, Yeah, here's the thing is, you know, and this is the difference. They were both spectacular and I think good enough to win any game against any team, but... When you have the offense kind of looking the way it has for the guardians. And again, I know it's a tough matchup. One mistake is the difference, right? You have Aaron judge in the middle of this lineup. You have John Carlos Stanton. You have other guys. One mistake could be the difference in the ball game, right? There's a guy on, you hang one, you miss one spot. You're down two runs. And right now it seems like two runs could be a lot for the guardians. Uh, I'm very interested to see how they can grind out this Yankees pitching staff. That said, you know, there's questions of, of who's gonna show up for the Yankees too. And and I think that's an interesting side of it as well. A couple of things that I want to hit on really quickly, though. So good to see Tyler Glass now healthy and like beyond he healthy. Looked awesome. he, he looked awesome. Eight whiffs on the fastball, three whiffs on the slider, and four whiffs on the curveball. Most impressively, I went back and watched, you know, from a few different camera angles, just the difference between the slider and the curveball for Glass now, who never really like developed the change up. He's a rare three pitch guy because the slider and the curveball are so different, and it gives him three different looks that was spectacular. And that was kind of what we were seeing before we got hurt of this, you know, new and improved glass. Now who was already really good. He's going to take the league by storm next year. And I'm really glad he's healthy and kind of built that up a little bit to finish the year out. Uh, but I, I'm just really excited for this race team next year. I know that sounds and we talk about that a lot, uh, but I was mentioning this in the, in the chat. I don't think there's been a team more decimated than the Tampa Bay rays by injury. We talk about glass now being out the whole year. Wanda Franco was far from hundred percent and missed most of the season. Brandon Lowe was out basically the entire season and, and didn't get to play in this series. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier, I know he's not the, the biggest piece in the world, but hell, they could have used his bat uh, compared to there, some of these other guys. Too. Yeah, you know, he, he was out. Uh, you don't have Zanino. Uh, you don't have Fairbanks, Fireisen, uh, Nick Anderson. Or I mean, Fairbanks is there. Of Fairbanks, Fairbanks was there. Bad. Sorry. Kittredge yeah. is, is, yeah. yeah. is who was not there. Kittridge is who I mean I could
1: interchange all and, those names. Yeah, in and Kittredge was phenomenal. Nick Anderson, phenomenal. These are some of the best relievers Fire in baseball didn't when let they're on. Exactly. You know what i These are these are incredible arms that the Rays are missing. I totally the Rays were decimated by injury and it looked like it.
2: And and I think they get those guys back next year. Curtis Mead is a stud. He's gonna come back and, and I think impact them. Josh Lowe looked great down the stretch. I'm really surprised they didn't put him on the roster with how good Josh Lowe looked in Durham and in the big leagues in some spots. Uh it, it was it was a really tough year for the Rays. I'm shocked they made it this far, to be honest. I'm really I really am. Um, and I think it's a testament to the way they mix and match. But yeah, I mean, this is the worst team in the postseason for sure. We 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 all picked them to lose the series for a reason. I mean, let's yeah. be real.
0: Tampa yeah. bullshit on on 10 again. Uh, Durham just won the AAA championship too. So like, you know, here we go. They've got the best farm system
2: year in, year out. <laughs> I think out. They, they won, won three win. championships in the minors. I'm yeah, pretty sure. I mean, they, they win –
0: At every level, except for the major league level. And they win (laughs) enough to get into the postseason each time. It's really hard hard to do. If you win in single A, double A, triple A, and you get to the postseason, but you just don't win at all uh, in the World Series. Last one that we got to hit on, Seattle and Toronto. Before we
1: move on quickly, I just want to say, Jason Adams' changeup looked like the best pitch of all time. Did you see that, man? To get out of that jam. Out of that jam, and just when he came in in multiple spots, that changeup looked. I mean, there was a couple of pitches in this playoffs where I thought to myself, that is an unhittable pitch. Emmanuel Class A's cutter, Josh Hader's fastball up here, Wheeler's fastball up in the zone, and Jason Adams' changeup. Like, that's the breath I was putting that pitch in. It looked unhit. It looked like Devin Williams, but faster. It was it was crazy good. Just shout out Jason Adam. Unbelievable well, season as a reliever in that pen.
0: Well, you won't see another until March of twenty twenty three. So.
1: Nope, and he'll probably suck next year because that's what relievers are. No, he looked amazing. He's, no, he's a Tampa
0: reliever. Let's be true, honest. He's going to be fine. If he was on the uh, White
1: Sox, you know, yeah, brutal. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, Seattle has more magic. Like they made this weird deal with the devil that I I don't know if anybody has ever made in their lives. So they win four nothing. I will totally give that to Luis Castillo and, and the timely offense. I mean, Cal Raleigh, big dumper. That's awesome. That's a great nickname that that is coming to light here. But Luis Castillo looked like a playoff one, which yep. was insane to see. And, and that makes the deadline deal so worth it. Oh, yeah. um, and then down 8-1 at one point. <sighs> Seattle wins game 2-10-9. That's magic if I've ever seen it.
1: One of the greatest comebacks in baseball history in the postseason, I think. Down 8-1, sixth inning. You finish the game 10-9? Are you kidding me? I had Blue Jays through the first five innings, and I'm just watching this game unfold, and it's like, uh, oh, it's 8-3. Oh, it's 8-5. It's 8-8. J.P. Crawford. Little bloop. Bloop. Bo Bichette, George Springer run
2: into each other and it's tied that's when he knew it was over too that was, was over. that was another one that was another one of a dividing moments. So those guys are rolling around it's like two of their best players you're like over. it's it's over <laughs> and
1: i said in the tiktok and on the article you are not beating this mariners bullpen and they could not beat the mariners bullpen they had one shot it was getting it off ray and it was getting it off casillo they had absolutely no chance against luis castillo then they
2: beat the crap out of ray I- And how about this? How about the bozo over here with the black screen behind him? who said Alec Manoa is the guy he's excited to watch pitch in the postseason. I mean, dude, I, I was I was like, here we go, Alec Manoa. I can't wait to watch him on the big stage. And I don't want to take anything away from from the Mariners. I mean, this is a lineup that when they're clicking, they're really tough. But yeah. Alec Manoa has been their guy. And, and and that was another one of those moments where you are like, damn, if Alec Manoa is getting knocked around, how are they winning this series? Manoa goes five and two thirds, gives up four earned runs, strikes out four, walks one. I, it wasn't a disaster of an outing, but – I mean, this is the guy that's supposed to set the tone for the series for you. And I think we kind of saw the the age, you know, the youth from Alec Manoa. And I think, you know, I, I don't think you can point the, the fingers at him. They blew a, a massive, massive, massive lead. But I was very excited to see Alec Manoa pitch. And he looked more like that 24-year-old uh, at making his first, you know, big postseason appearance, which is OK. I think he's going to have some iconic postseason appearances as he, you know, progresses through his career. But, you know, I think this kind of shows the vulnerability of this Blue Jays team is, you know, a lot of their hopes to advance rode on the shoulders of a 24 year old pitcher. And this is what can happen when you are set up that way.
1: Yeah, the trailer that Vladdy was talking about didn't have the uh, <laughs> I the saw full, that quote, the full you see that script quote, of the movie in it. Did you is, see that quote? If you catch my no. drift,
2: <laughs> he said uh, last year was the trailer. Now you're about to see the movie. That was Vladdy, and the trailer has all the positive aspects of it.
1: You see yeah. Vladdy, you see Bo Bichette, you see Gosman with the splitter, you see Manoa at his best, you see a dominant Jordan Romano. But the trailer is often the best part of the movie. Yep, and
2: I thought Bouges, I was seeing a comedy movie. I saw a horror film instead. It was,
1: it was a disaster on all fronts, <laughs> an absolute disaster on all fronts. Game one, your best pitcher Alec Manoa gets crushed. And you don't hit. You're the Blue Jays offense. You are the number one offense, I think, this year in terms of WRC plus against you or at least up there. You can't even sniff Castillo. He's 99 to 100 wherever he wants. And you, you don't have a prayer. And then Munoz comes in pumping 103 with that slider. Looked unhittable. I'm talking about best pitches. Munoz is everything. Castillo's everything. And then they finally get to Ray. And they almost got the monkey off their back where they couldn't really hit lefties as the season progressed. And then it just all falls down on the backs of the guy that they got in the, at the trade deadline. Anthony Bass, yeah. rear runs. Like these guys, former Miami Marlins. Stand up, Marlins. Yeah.
2: Aram, you won the Mariners a series. I, dude, I I don't know what I don't know what they thought they they were getting here with Anthony Bass and Zach Pop. I mean, Anthony Bass was bad in every high leverage situation this year. Um, he was great in the seventh inning tied games and and whatever. But yeah, I mean, that was the thing is the Blue Jays bullpen had been good, had been pretty good, you know, relatively speaking. But I mean, it was Jack really did, good did, to end the season. And it just did you have any confidence, Jack, in this bullpen being able to really hold the fourth down if if the starting pitching isn't doing what it's supposed to do?
0: Adam Simber pitching in his 140th game of the season. (laughs) Seriously. Um, No, I like no hope for this Blue Jays bullpen. So my thing is like, they have some good spot performers here and there, but in a postseason setting, and I think that a lot of Blue Jays fans will say this, they, their shoulders will tense with pretty much everybody except Jordan Romano in in a postseason setting here. And yes, they've got guys that are durable. They've got guys that go all the time. They've got guys that string together good outings. But the only one that is like a bona fide bullpen stud, my thought was Jordan Romano here. Yeah. And, and if he we had a 10
1: 8 ERA this postseason. Yeah. yeah. And if, but it happened, it's two games. But
0: game one was the biggest tone setter ever because if Alec Manoa struggles, you are in for a
1: shit show. It's over. It's over. And Manoa struggled. Yeah. Can we shout out some Mariners hitters? Because if they extend the lineup like this with Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana was hitting. Adam Frazier was hitting. Cal Raleigh hit 500 in the series. Eugenio Suarez. Like, it's funny. The top of the lineup, Julio Rodriguez, Ty France. Julio Rodriguez hit 143 in the series. Ty France, 200. I mean, they hit the ball hard, so you would expect them they're going to be continue to hit. But the production was not from Julio Rodriguez and Ty France. It was from Carlos Santana, Adam Frazier, Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh. Even J.P. Crawford was clutch when he needed it. I know J.P. Crawford overall wasn't very good because, you know, a lot of his hits were bloops, but they were hits. They, they fell. It was the bottom of the Mariners lineup who looked like a bunch of rejects, honestly, in my mind, looked phenomenal. Crazy. Bill so, we'll baseball it's awesome
0: I think a lot of people latched onto the Mariners because they're fun uh at some point this year but I I think what was lost this year you know obviously you, you look at the starting pitching and you look at Castillo Ray Gilbert Kirby who by the way closed out game two Kirby's got experience as a reliever he
1: showed it and 99 on a corner was he's beautiful. unbelievable he's when unbelievable. like he's coming in as a reliever and he could Actually, display high nineties. He yeah. looks unhittable because he's not going to walk you. He's just pinpoint ninety nine. It, it's it's crazy. This bullpen is so good. Like Brash looked great. Diego Castillo looked great. Just great. Well, I I was going to say, um, I I think what was most slept
0: on was A. U. Higino Suarez was incredibly good this season, so and, good. and we didn't sleep on it. Clay Snowden put out a great article about Gino Suarez. You know about a month ago or so on on just baseball.com. you can go read it there but also Cal Raleigh man i mean Cal Raleigh had yeah. 25 homers this year so yeah, yeah okay Suarez and Raleigh okay. stepped up but they've been stepping up all year those two have been legitimate great pieces for the Seattle Mariners and i know the batting average is low for Cal Raleigh but i mean look at the OPS for Cal Raleigh he was a 750 guy look at Eugenio Suarez this year he was about an 800 maybe north of 800 OPS guy yeah those guys have been good um West Coast baseball doesn't get much love unless you're the LA Dodgers and and Seattle I, I think that they're really going to showcase to the baseball world who Suarez
1: and Raleigh are. And the Angels are going to be so good next year.
2: Mm-hmm. We didn't we'll even keep see using that joke. <laughs> We didn't even see Kirby more than an inning and we only we didn't see Logan Gilbert either. Yeah. And I mean that's the craziest thing right is we're talking about two potentially lights out starters. Uh, I think Gerby, if he's locked in, can really rise to the occasion. we know Logan Gilbert has the ability to do that as well. He showed that down the stretch very much. So I I, I will maybe talk about it when we preview the next series, but I I think they've really got to consider whether they want Robbie Ray you know taking the ball in, in one of the first three games or whether they'd rather have Logan Gilbert or George Kirby do it uh the, the amazing thing is they get by without having to make that decision or without having to rue the decision of of going with Robbie Ray um they went with a bad Robbie Ray start in game 2 and and have just arrested Logan Gilbert and George Kirby who's rested too. He only threw that one inning. So uh, they have a lot of ways that they're going to be able to mix and match here a lot of of different choices especially since this series only went two games and uh I love the position that the Mariners are in. Sure. You know, they go in and play a team now that had some rest, but I'd argue that the Mariners are pretty well rested relatively speaking. Uh, and and I think they should be in a pretty good spot pitching wise for sure. Uh, it's really going to be about whether the offense rises to the occasion, but when you got Adam Frazier and Cal rally uh, combining for six hits in a game, you're usually going to be in pretty good shape.
0: Yeah. hundred um, percent. All right. We'll move on to the ALDS and the NLDS. All One more the- thing
1: going tomorrow. Yeah. Just about one guy who didn't pitch at all, Swanson. Eric Swanson, who was their closer, I guess, even though they have six of them in their pen, he didn't even pitch either. Like this Mariners bullpen is so incredibly deep. It's crazy. The only blip in it was Seawalt when he gave up four earned, and that's super, super unlike him. I expect him to come back and pitch well. This is a dangerous team. Dangerous. Yeah.
0: And, and now we can talk about them in the in the ALDS and the NLDS here. But before we do that, uh use code October 15 on just baseball's merch site. Um, hoodies, long sleeve tees, hats. Got a whole bunch of gear. October
1: 15 40% off.
2: off. Link in the podcast description. Yeah. Help
1: us out. If you're enjoying the content, get some just baseball merch. The quality, you will be impressed. That yes. I can guarantee. 100%. Quality, impressive
0: let's start 107 tomorrow philly and atlanta in atlanta i don't see announced starters the only two guys that i see announced are are verlander for houston garrett cole for
1: new york um peter you said Quantrill for cleveland is that like cut and dry announced i mean you would assume so unless you want to go bieber on short rest but i'm guessing it will be Quantrill versus cole yeah so it's and it's not gonna be mckenzie either and I'm sure it won't be Savali, so I'm going to guess that it will be Cal Quantrill going in game one. Padres-Dodgers, you're assuming it's going to be Arias, and you're assuming it's going to be either Clevenger or Darvish? I bet it's Clevenger. <sighs> and it probably will be Clevenger, which will be a very tough one for the Padres to win. Phillies-Braves, you're going to assume it's going to be Ranger suarez, suarez against Max Fried. Freed, which is phenomenal. And then in... Then it's probably going to be Logan Gilbert versus Justin Verlander. Yeah, so Another we'll start
0: with we'll start with Philly and Atlanta, um, with no like confirmed probable pitchers at this point. I don't want to necessarily get into like the game one intricacies. Do we to want do to the series. do we want to just do the
1: series? I think we do the series. It's it's because predicting game one, it's important, but it's not as important as a three game series because like we saw. You win game one, you're winning the series. I don't think any team won game one, then went on to lose the series. Like the Padres, won game one, won the series. Guardians, won game one, won the series. Philly, won game one, won the series. What other series do we have?
2: Mariners. I mean, the Mets. the, the Mets lost, lost game oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what series. I said.
1: The Padres won game yeah. one and won the series. Every single team that won game one, won the series. So let's talk the whole series.
0: Okay. Um, Philly, Atlanta. It's a best of five. First to
1: three wins
0: wins. Um, how we feeling here? Because it'll be Freed, it'll be Kyle Wright, it'll be Charlie Morton, and uh it's gonna be a really interesting roster decision uh, at some point, either today or early tomorrow, to see if Strider is on this postseason roster.
1: I gotta say, I think the Phillies are gonna give them work. I think the Braves win in five. I think it's a battle. And I think the only reason that the Phillies might not upset the Braves is just because they got a little bit of use already. The Braves are coming in as fresh. But remember, I mean, this gap of time, I don't think helps these teams much. Like this gap of not playing, you get you get fully rested, which is great. But the, the Phillies are feeling that momentum. And that is so important going into a series like this, where I, the Phillies, I bet if you ask them, they don't feel like underdogs here. I think the Phillies are going to give a, the Braves a run for their money, especially if Schrider is not 100%. Especially, I think the Braves win, but I would not be surprised by an upset here. I think Philly is feeling it right now. If Wheeler and Nola are that good, they can beat anybody. They should feel like underdogs. And, and <laughs> because
0: I say that, um, you know, I, yes, I think time off hurts the Braves' offense. I think that the Braves' offense is good enough to overcome that time off. I think it is the best thing to happen to a pitching rotation and a pitching staff as a whole at this point in the season. I mean, we talk about hater having six days of rest and he comes out throwing a hundred. This is probably the freshest that Max Freed's arm has felt since April.
2: Yeah. More time for Strider to heal uh, Morton. I think Chuck Morton will take the time at pitching wise. They're going to be, they're going to be a problem. Uh, I think the Braves are going to be really, 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 really tough. So what, what are you holding a four up for? I
0: say four. I say Atlanta
2: and four. Oh and four? I was like, am I missing something? Um no. yeah, I, I think Atlanta I think Atlanta takes care of it in four. I, I think they they steal one of Nola or Wheeler's starts when whenever that stacks up here. But I, I think Atlanta controls the series. The, Atlanta, the ball that they were playing down the stretch too, was just just ridiculous. They took care of the Phillies all year long. Um I just, I'm worried about the drop-off like a Ranger Suarez. I know he's been good this year, but I just don't, I don't, Suarez, yeah, yeah, I, don't tra- I don't trust him. Yeah, I don't try. I don't trust him. I, the bullpen has stepped up this year and especially down the stretch. I I, I just see this as one of those spots where just it kind of runs out a little bit and it, the, the Braves are just so much better. Um, I, I think the Phillies steal one though. I do. I do. I think they, they steal one of those two games and that's about it.
1: I got to say, I have the same feeling that I had with Padres over Mets with this one. I think the Phillies are going to give them work. I think the Phillies, like how impressive it was to go into Bush Stadium and beat the Cardinals. I was, I was floored. Like, I was, I was genuinely not shocked because I knew the Phillies were good, but just they dominated the Cardinals. They did. I know that they came back in the end, but they, they, they really impressed me. I think if the bullpen can hold up, Sir Anthony Dominguez looked good. David Robertson looked good. Jose Alvarado looked good. And when you have Nola and Wheeler at the top of their game, Wheeler looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball. Nola looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball. I would give the Phillies the starting pitching edge in this. I would. I would give the Phillies the starting pitching edge. Like I think Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez are a as good, if not better, of a combination than a little bit of an injured strider, Max Freed, and Kyle Wright. I, I think, think if that's as I think good. if Strider's pitching, you got to assume he's 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 good to go. Just yeah. like Shane, but McClanahan. is he going six? Like I know Nola and Wheeler can. McClanahan go McClanahan
2: six. went six, and I then mean, the
1: offense. You have the momentum that the Phillies have, and you have a little bit of rest that the Braves have. I think this is going to be close. How much? I've, how much I've,
2: offensive I've, momentum do they have? It, it was a late game comeback and a bullpen implosion where four guys got beaned, and then they scored two runs yeah. the next game. How much offensive momentum does this team really have? I, but I, we were I,
1: just saying how great Michael is pitched and then how good the Cardinals' bullpen is. And like they, they beat them, they beat uh, them, them.
2: But, but didn't we agree that the Cardinals beat themselves? Yeah, it's what we just said. They imploded game one, they should have lost that one. And then the Phillies scored two runs in game two. Like it was a great series win for the Phillies, but I, I don't think it was this like you know, offensive onslaught where you're seeing this momentum no. and, and this team that's just like humming as they come in. The, I, I don't know if I see it that way.
0: Billy's offensive momentum
2: and San Diego's offensive momentum are two totally different. Things. I agree. Yeah. I, think the, I think the Padres have a lot more offensive momentum going here. And if we're talking pitching, man, if Spencer Strider's on that mound, I, I'm I'm betting on him. Max yeah. Freed has is, is been phenomenal. And then the rest of the starters that they have, I think it just, it puts them over the top. I'll take a Chuck Morton over a Ranger Suarez in this spot any day of the week. I really so would.
0: My thought is how it lines up. I think we're going to get Suarez and Freed. I go Freed, I go Atlanta. And then I think game two, I think we're going to get Wheeler on short, west, short rest against Kyle Wright. I'll go with Kyle Wright. Game I'll go with free, Wheeler. Yeah, I'll go, go, with, Wheeler we'll go with Wheeler in that one. It'll be Morton and Nola. I go Nola over Morton, and then Game Four. I think that's when Atlanta puts it away. That's my thought on Atlanta and four.
1: Yeah, my thought on Atlanta and five. I think the Phillies can go up two one. I think the Phillies could easily go up two one. I
2: I, I think that is feasible. I I, the way that the pitching matchups line up, it does work in the Phillies' favor. If that's how it does end up going, it's going to be all. I think really the big X factor here is the bullpen for the Phillies. Right? Can they hold it down? Can they hold it down? Because you couldn't you just imagine peter where we have one of those situations where you know wheeler gives you six strong yeah. and you know yes. the braves braves pitching holds up pretty well too they're down two zero or whatever it is and then the bullpen just gives it all up right that's the big question but I, I can see where peter's coming from with the way that these games line up that they could catch them just right with the two pitching matchups and try to ride that to success uh but again yeah it's going to be on the bullpen and I do got you, s- you trust this bullpen peter
1: I got to say, guys, I took Padres plus 150 to beat the Mets. I think I'm going to be taking Phillies plus 180 on the series. money where his mouth is. I I, I think I will because I think the way that these pitching matchups line up, if the Phillies bullpen can at least compete with the way it lines up, if Strider is not 100% and the Braves just get caught lacking a little bit and the Phillies go up 2-1, All they need to do is win one more of those games. They need to go one of two to win the series. I don't think it's out of line. I think that momentum was built enough. To your credit, if we're comparing Phillies to Padres, the Padres offense has more momentum than the Phillies. That's not what I was saying. I'm just saying the momentum that the Phillies built up compared to the Braves on a rest day. And they're about to get bombarded by some of the best pitching performances from a starting rotation that I've seen in the playoffs. I think the Phillies have an excellent shot here to upset the Braves. That's why I have the Braves in five, but I am not confident in it. And more likely than not, I will be on Phillies plus 180. Check out not gambling advice because the series prices um, will be available on Tuesday, right before they come out. Actually, it's going to be on the Monday episode, so I will. They'll be they're out. Or, they'll be out in a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh as we
0: were talking, it, it confirmed Ranger Suarez and Max Fried for game one. Uh Cal Quantrill confirmed for game one for Cleveland. So electric. um l- let's jump now to the 337 first pitch tomorrow. Verlander against TBD. We assume Logan Gilbert and Seattle and Houston in Houston. I like Houston, I think in five. This is gonna be tough, man. Yeah. I was thinking Houston in four, but the the more I think about how this could line up, and what magic Seattle has right now, I'll say I'll say Houston in five.
1: I'm going to say Houston in five too. I think it's going to be tough, but I just when you look at the Astros rotation and bullpen. Will we get the same production from the bottom of the lineup against these Astros when Astros have home field advantage too? Like I am more scared of the Astros at home than I am the Braves at home. But the Braves, Planet Truist, that's a tough one too. These are all just great series. Um, I think the way that it lines up, the Astros, I'm more confident in the Astros here. Again, it's not like I'm going to lay it on an Astros series price. just the value isn't there. But this is an interesting one again. I I like the Phillies to upset the Braves more than I like the Mariners to upset the Astros, but I ain't counting the Mariners out either on.
2: I I agree. I I do like the Phillies to upset the Braves more than I I like the Mariners to upset the Astros, which I hate saying just because, again, it's the way the pitching matchups line up. I I hope that the Mariners can find a way to pull this off, but I I think the Astros are one of the best teams uh, we've seen in some time. I think this Dodgers and Astros team, I think each of them would have been the best team in baseball over the last, like, eight to 10 years, like each individual season, I'm I'm forward at how good these teams are top to bottom. One thing I do want to say though, is it's going to be tough to win in Seattle and we're going to have two games in Seattle. We'll have at least one, I want to shout out Seattle Mariners fans who have really embraced uh, this this postseason appearance after snapping the drought. You look at the, uh, the bottom price for tickets, uh, tickets as low as $35 in Houston for game one, as well as $40 in Houston for game two. Guess what the get in the door price is on Saturday in Seattle. I don't know if you guys saw it. If you saw it, obviously one of you don't answer it. But did either of you see it? No. I didn't see it. Get in the door price. Just look for the shittiest seat. Shittiest seat in Houston $35. 110 bucks. 90 $296 to get in the door Good in Seattle game, shit. game one of, or game three, but the, the first home game. It's been 20 years. That's what I love to see right here right this is uh, they probably know that they're 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 doomed in some ways but they're guess what they're showing up and they're enjoying it i know it, you can't compare it to a team that had a 20-year playoff drought but before i would get into any baseball analysis i just wanted to shout that out because that's so fucking awesome that see. is awesome
0: and don't forget seattle is a rich person town like the the, the poverty line in san francisco is like over a hundred thousand dollars seattle is not too far behind i think the poverty line's at like 80 or 90 thousand dollars is it's it really startup people yeah so they can afford 290 to get in the door don't don't get it twisted.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I love no, to man, see that. Absolutely love to see
0: that. Th- that watch party at T-Mobile Park was was great to see. And yeah, man, I think it's going to be a crazy environment. And good for Seattle Mariners fans. Good for the city of Seattle to get playoff baseball back because that is going to be a must-see environment.
2: A hundred percent. And I will say, though, if there's they one might thing upset that...
1: the Astros. Before <laughs> I think <laughs> about it, they if might. They, they,
2: they, if yeah. they can steal game one or two. I, here's the problem. Are you beating Verlander in game one, like, rationally speaking? No, but it's baseball. Who knows? Um, Who do we say would be going game two for for the Astros? Bramber. Bramber. Most likely. That's so tough. That's so tough. Yeah. So let's assume they drop the first two. They win game three in Seattle. Game four. Yeah, against yeah. Javier. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they I are so And then game loaded. four, you got McCullers. or Orly yeah. Garcia, pick your boys. And, and they've got Hunter Brown just waiting. I can't emphasize.
1: I literally... And really rested pen, But I think the offense for the Astros could get run up a little bit. Like, if I'm talking about the Braves, like, this rest, I think, really matters. Because it's not the one-game playoff. And you have, like, two days of rest. I mean, there was... This is it almost a week now of not playing baseball and that that will hurt them. Like I think game 1 is probably going to be pretty low scoring, but again, it's how electric the Houston Astros bullpen has been. Presley and Stanek in the back end. Like we're talking best bullpens in baseball. They got it on top of those starters, so it's like the Mariners. What are they best at? That's why we were also confident in Guardians versus Rays. It was what are the Rays good at? Well, the Guardians are just as good in those categories. What are the Mariners built on? Starting pitching and bullpen. But the Astros might have a better rotation and a better bullpen, and it's just who's going to hit. They and do. I would lean the Astros. What they do have a better starting? Yeah, they do. The they bullpen. do. They do. Which well, maybe not bullpen. I don't know. They, they might do. by the numbers. They do. It's, it's um, crazy.
0: Here, it's, my thought here is, you know, game one, you say it's going to be low scoring. Is that because the Astros have had more time off or because it's fucking Justin Verlander against Logan? Both. Calderon? I think, yeah. I think
1: it's pretty, yeah. yeah. It's right?
2: both. You have time off and, you know, Verlander's up there. You're like, all right, you know, we'll we'll get one or two here and that, that should do it. You know, I I I think it's really going to be one of those situations here where I, you, you could say, oh, yeah, Seattle's offense has to come through. I think that's a tall task, right? I think it's really on, they got to match them in the pitching department. And I think that there's a world where they can, right? I mean, if they're going to, as I think the best way we can put it is you watch a March Madness game, right? And you see the big upsets. How do those upsets happen? Usually it's because the the underdog team just doesn't miss a shot, right? They're just, it's they, they have that magic and they don't miss a shot. I, I look at the Mariners, I think they're going to get their opportunistic runs. They seem to always do that. The the, the way that they win the series is that every starter goes out there and shoves. And and I know that sounds ridiculous, but – it, it isn't that far-fetched to see Luis Castillo go out there, shove again. Uh, to see Logan Gilbert, a well-rested Gilbert, go out there, shove again. Would love to see them go to Kirby next time. I think we could see Kirby put you know, put his dick on the table and say, hey, look, I, I belong in this rotation in the postseason. And then well, I don't know what they're going to do with Robbie Wright. But I'm not going to pretend like I think he's going to shove in, in, in a game against the Astros. But I, I think that's the only way that we can really see Seattle in this conversation is they get three just – Dynamite starts from three pitchers who are capable of doing it. I don't think we have to wonder how the bullpen's going to perform. I I'm willing to deliver die by that pen without a doubt, uh, and I think that pen can match up with the Astros.
1: And what I will say is Logan Gilbert, 25 innings he's thrown against the Astros this year, seven earned runs, skim like a two four That's ERA good. against them. Yeah, but Verlander, play. Verlander has thrown 43 innings against the Mariners this season, two four Jesus. two ERA. Yeah. Forty-three, uh, that's, that's like twelve times. If they that,
2: if they get a run or two off of Verlander, I mean that that's that's all you need. If all the all Vulcan holds up and you get the magical performance, like that's what it's gonna take. But, but Logan Gilbert
1: is still a young pitcher on the road in Minute Made. That if we're talking about who's gonna sell out, I know the ticket prices may not reflect it, but no, Astros but fans pack are it gonna in. be in. Yeah. they're gonna be banging. Hundred um, percent, not on trash cans though. <laughs> no. <laughs> No.
0: All right. Uh, Yankees, Guardians, Cal Quantrill, Garrett Cole. Um, I I said Guardians like pretty convincingly, but their lack of offense certainly like worries me a little bit. They they won a two game series where they hit what like one seventy or something as a team. Um, With how the Yankees line up rotation wise, oh god, I'm still gonna go with Cleveland and five.
1: This is such a hard series for me, both emotionally, spiritually, physically. I do think the Guardians win game one (laughs) behind Quattro on the road at Yankee Stadium. But the thing is, you know, Yankee fans have been just like screaming at us through our TikTok because all of us were on the Guardians, basically saying that when Cleveland has come to Yankee Stadium and when the Yankees have played the Guardians in the past, they have dominated them. And that is it. A fact, when Cleveland comes to New York, we beat them. And I say we, the Yankees beat them. But I think the Yankees, like, they need momentum to build in their lineup. They need DJ to get on and then judge and then stand. I mean, they need to be firing on all cylinders. And I think that these division series teams that had this bye, it could come back to bite them. I think the Guardians can bum rush the Yankees with their pitching, with that bullpen. And they're going to make it close. I'm still going to go with the Guardians in five, but it's impossible for me to accurately <laughs> predict this series because I'm hedging happiness.
2: Yeah. This I mean, is,
1: might be the most
2: uh, – they're all competitive. They're all amazing. This is going to be a fun one, though. It really is. I I think when you look at the way the Guardians are going to win, like potentially win this thing is I think it's just really that Yankees offense stalling out, which we've seen happen plenty of times this year. But we know when the Yankees offense is going right, it, it's – it it's it's tough, right? but I we've seen this Yankees offense stall out. Uh, it's happened and you know, I, I think we're going to see a postseason series where, you thought Aaron Judge didn't get pitched too much during the home run stretch. He's going to get pitched to even less. Uh, and, and I do think there's points in times where you, you look at the rest of the lineup and I like, there, there's some guys I'm, I'm worried about at times, but I mean, I'm not even blinking when it comes to pitching to John Carlos Stanton instead of, of Aaron Judge or, or whoever it may be in that lineup behind him. Uh, I, I don't think Judge is going to get much to hit this series, and I don't think the Guardians are going to let Aaron Judge beat them. It's not going to be a one-man wrecking crew. That might work in the regular season. Not going to work in the postseason. They will pitch around. Him. So it happened to the Giants with Barry Bonds, and that's why they struggled a lot in the postseason. They didn't have the guys to kind of protect him and pick him up. I, I, I do wonder, and I think a lot of this is going to ride on the shoulders of John Carlos Stanton, who has been a postseason beast. He has been great in the postseason when we've seen him. I, I really think it's going to be whoever can offer that protection for Aaron Judge. I could see the Guardians executing a game plan. They don't pitch to Judge. They dominate the rest of these guys. And, you know, if they can do that, then they just got to keep it low scoring. You keep it, you know, two to three runs. You keep it a low scoring game. All you need is one swing. And we know that the Guardians have found a way to get that swing off. And I think Jose Ramirez, talk about momentum. How about an individual building momentum? It has not been Jose Ramirez's best season. That series was phenomenal. He made an impact in almost every single way. That's a guy who can one man wreck and crew this series. And I wonder if the Yankees will take a similar approach and say, hey, we're going to let somebody else beat us. So Cleveland in five. Arm, what do you have? i going to go Cleveland
0: in
1: five. Peter? Cleveland in five. Jeez. Okay. Uh, Padres, Dodgers. Wait. And two important storylines. I know I keep interrupting because there's just more to say. Like, this Chapman left off the roster. Yeah. That is That was huge. an important
2: thing to mention, actually. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, was, that, I that, thought that about is... that before we got into it. I was like, this is so funny. I can't wait to talk about this. Aroldis Chapman didn't show up
1: to a practice. Aaron Boone said, not a good enough excuse.
2: How important Left was the practice? Off. You got to be in so the playoffs. The playoff. We're not yeah. talking <laughs> oh, about the game sarcastic. where I dropped
1: 30. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> yeah, about who
2: practice. cares. It wasn't game day, bro. Just just let him be. He was in Miami. He was just...
1: How unlikable, He's unlikable is Chapman at this point? He's Man, how many unlikable. postseason highlights? How many highlights can we go in through of him blowing it? He didn't have a good season this year, and now he just doesn't show up with a bad excuse. Good, kind of did glad you guys favor. Yeah, so guy you did favor? yeah, so that even did the Domestic assault? Yeah, yeah, no, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> a bit. But the good thing is for the Yankees that Matt Carpenter might be back. That would be awesome. Unclear. I would love to
2: see Matt Carpenter in this. I like, he's had such an awesome year. This guy earned an opportunity. I would love to see Carpenter there. That would be a big, big, big difference for them offensively. I, I, I really think so. But Chapman not being in the fold here, doesn't that make most Yankees fans feel better? Yes. Yeah. That's
1: yes. good. Um, okay. Padres, Dodgers? Padres, Dodgers. Yeah, Dodgers in four. This is very simple for me. Uh, this is not simple for me. I think it's another Dodgers in five kind of similar here to Philly's Braves. I think the Padres can give them a run for their money. If Gonsolin is not good, if Tyler Anderson is not good, the Dodgers are in trouble here. Their bullpen is is great, and their offense is going to roll. And I think this is going to be a higher-scoring series. Um, But the Dodgers have been dominated by Blake Snell. If we're talking about the Mets getting dominated by Blake Snell, Blake Snell has owned the Dodgers. That might be a win there. You know... It's going to be another great series. I have Dodgers in five, but I am not confident in it. I think a Padres series price might be in my future. I think it's I think it's going to be very, very close. But I will pick the Dodgers here. Not confident, though, Arm.
2: You know what I hate is that Mike Clevenger has the ball game one.
1: Yeah, yeah. one and all. The, the, and that game that puts over. them so behind that, the game. I <laughs> hate that.
2: I, that's what kills me. I almost wish they said bullpen game. And I could just be like, "All right, we'll see how it goes." Like Cleavenger, I feel like I already know how this. I already know how this one's going. Four uh, and three earned. I do agree On with Peter, loss. though. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a series. I really do. Um, this is a this is a Calvinized Padres team, like we talked about, in a huge rivalry. Um. It's going to be intense in L.A. It's going to be intense in San Diego. It's going to be a lot of fun. You see a cocky Padres team heading into a team that I promise you, if you gave them their pick of the litter of who they would like to bounce from this postseason, it's the L.A. Dodgers, and they're not blinking. Every player on the team is probably saying the same thing and not thinking twice about it. Uh, There's going to be a different level of intensity. They're going to get the Padres' best punch. That said, Dodgers are a lot better. They're built to outlast them. And that's where things kind of come in here. I think we're going to get to a decisive game five. The Padres will have already emptied the tank. Like they, they their, their bullpen will be taxed. Yeah. I don't know you know, what their starter situation will look like at that point. But I think the Padres are going to empty the tank to prolong the series. And I think it goes five. Uh, the big X factor for me is what Juan Stoto are they getting? Yeah. I know that was a cheap hit the other way, but you kind of saw some relief from him there. Usually he, he has the big hit and he doesn't give you that much emotion. You saw more emotion than usual. Um, I just I sense a different vibe from this Padres team. They seem to be coming together in a lot of ways, uh, kind of just because of despite Fernando Tatis. I think that really was a galvanizing moment for them, as Jack alluded to. Um, I think they're going to kind of rally around and, and give the Padres or give the Dodgers, excuse me, a hard time. Where do you stand, Jack? I uh, again, it's
0: still simple for me. i and I think it, in large part, it's because of game one. I think if you go Julio Ruiz Game one sucks Levenger, I mean, that is game that's probably sucks. the starkest contrast you'll find in the postseason from here on out. I, I, I'm not kidding, bottom.
2: Peter. what do you think the money line is like minus two fifty in that one? It's going to be minus two hundred. Most likely for a playoff I mean, a playoff game, that's, insane. But for honestly, a playoff Padres, game that's
1: stupidly insane. Padres are going to have great value on the money line in that game. I'm not going to be on it, but like, you
2: know, I might throw $10 on that. Anytime yeah. I see a money line of in a baseball game, period, I don't care who is ba- playing about this. I don't care who is playing. If it's if I'm getting better than two to one odds on a baseball game, I throw $10 on it. Like You and, have
1: to. And um, just a couple of stats for you, Jack, just to harp on the starting pitching. I mean, Darvish has a 2-5-2 ERA against the Dodgers this year. 25 innings. Musgrove, 3-6-3, not as good, but Snell has dominated them too. They can win any of those games. So I agree. They lose game one, but I think a combination of Musgrove, Snell, and Darvish wins two games, but the Dodgers end up winning out.
0: My thing is they can put a stop to this momentum in game one. The Dodgers can Like, if it is a murder in game one, that momentum that you carry from the wild card series—if you get fucked up by Julio Arias and you fuck up Mike Clevenger—that that takes a lot of momentum away. And that's my thought on Dodgers and four.
2: So don't wonder... they know that Clevenger stinks though? Don't they
1: know? I hope they know. And <laughs> they see the
2: minus two twenty line? Let's we'll say oh, it's okay. This was this one was not and meant also, to be, anyways.
1: If we're talking about pitchers dominating the opposing offenses. Julio Arias threw twenty four innings against the Padres this season, four earned runs. Yeah, one five zero ERA. is three and zero. Yep, there that's a go. tough game one. So I think it's I think it's one of those series where Dodgers go up two one, Padres win a decisive game four with their with their butts on the line, and then the Dodgers just winning game five and it's over. Uh, two
0: very quick things before we wrap. Um, Bob Costas, Ron Darling, Lauren Shahadi on Yankees Guardians for the series, which is great. Uh, Brian Anderson, Jeff Francois, Matt Weiner on Mariners Astros have yet to see the Fox assignment. So you've got two great booths. Brian Anderson is awesome in the postseason. And uh, Bob Costas is a legend, obviously. Ron Darling is the best analyst in the postseason and Lauren Shahadi is a queen.
1: So yeah, Lauren Shahadi rocks. it's, It's actually a sick booth. I want Dave Sin, Sims and Don Orsillo doing every game for now on. That's what I want. <laughs> um, Electricity. No. I don't care Fox, who the are. Fox, you will probably
0: Go get, um, for the NLDS, I bet you get Joe Davis on Braves Phillies. I bet they keep him away from the Dodgers. Um, and yeah. then you've got, um, I would assume, maybe Adam Amin on the other one. So... Uh, it really good boots. So yeah. it's not gonna be an ESPN thing where you gotta deal with Michael K.
2: No, I want more Michael K. I, I want to hear that. <laughs> I don't America want goes more Michael K. Uh, for a team that is not the Yankees. That definitely oh, feels they good. spent
0: like an inning and a half talking about how beautiful Bush Stadium is during the wild card game. Like, come on,
1: <laughs> you should have West. seen Yankee fans. Like it feels like Michael K is cheating on us. <laughs> it <laughs> does, he's it, so you, he, he's so Yankees, like Joe it, Davis Dodgers, but like he's not so nice, no, no, you know. Fan, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So Michael K. Is so Yankees. He's ingrained in it, the culture there that it's like when he's announcing games, it almost feels weird. Like he could have been spotless, perfect, and it's still weird. But he's not. Like even it. coming from a Yankee fan, like I thought he did great, but because I'm biased, but I agree. Well, it's like the it's rest like McLovin. Of the country,
2: Who's the guy that plays McLovin? Like whoever that is, yeah. that guy, I will never take him seriously in no, any other he's role. McLovin, John he's Krasinski. McLovin
1: john krasinski from the office yeah he's like, he like always
2: he will always yeah. be jim i'm watching this guy like shoot people and like fight i'm like that's yeah, fucking yeah, that's jim that's just on
1: um, yeah dwight shrewd another guy yeah like, they're, they're just they're Rainn wilson yeah. raiden wilson just they're, they're pigeonholed. in their roles and that's Michael okay you're pigeonholed
2: inches. i'm sorry you're pigeonholed in the great spot i will say a very great spot that we'd all happily be pigeonholed in but you're yeah. pigeonholed all
0: right and with that See thank ya. you everybody